Welcome to The Reload, where we help unconventional leaders craft the life they truly want by questioning the assumptions they have about how life works. My name is Sean, and I'll be your host on this journey. As a performance coach and special operations combat veteran, I help high-performing executives kick ass in their careers while connecting with deeply powerful insights that fuel their lives. All right, so today I am going to attempt to keep this to less than 20 minutes. And if I make it, I'm rewarding myself with a smoothie. That's not true. I'm just going to get back to the grind. But there was something that was brought to my attention by one of my former clients. And this is something that is actually quite common. And in fact, I'm staring at a text message from another client that is concerned about this same dynamic. And that is where it is that they begin to backslide. And in the instance of former clients, oftentimes, as much as we would like to hope that all of the tremendous gains that we make in coaching are going to be retained, the unfortunate reality for most people is that the way that the human brain works, there is only so much that will be retained at any given time. And much of that has to do with relevance. Oftentimes when working with clients, there is so much that we could dig into. And, you know, across a a year's long engagement, meaning one year, (laughs) um, there's just, there is so much that we can, that we do dig into. And it, it covers such a broad swath of the person's behavior, belief structure, aspirations, et cetera, et cetera. And while I do my best to help clients see the threads, the common threads that weave throughout all those different issues, there's often just so much going on that not all of it is going to be immediately relevant for that individual right then and there. And one of the core tenets of adult learning theory is that for adults, especially given the fact that they are so busy, with their professional lives, with family obligations, et cetera, et cetera, that it's really only the the elements of learning that are immediately relevant that will be retained. Not only do they need to be immediately relevant, but there also has to be a clear application for what is being learned or the realizations that are occurring. So it's quite common For us to be able to, well, not to be able to, but for us to backslide in our knowledge, in our awareness. And that's why, I mean, as boring as it sounds, and, you know, hopefully forgive the sort of public service announcement quality of this particular episode. But yeah, I mean, the the simple and boring truth is that very frequently taking notes makes a big difference. Oftentimes, another way of expressing this is is journaling. And oftentimes, clients who have taken up journaling as a core habit or a core discipline, they report that it's not so much the journaling, although that by itself does help quite a bit as well, 
because it allows them to process through disturbing thoughts or unproductive or counter-effective paradigms and to really kind of tease apart, well, what is it that's really stirred up here? So the journaling itself helps. But oftentimes what they report is that it is the review of the journaling that is most helpful for them. That it is in going back to their notes that they are able to piece out and piece together patterns that help them recognize when they are replicating a behavior or a stimulus reaction chain that is really counter-effective to what they want to accomplish. And it's in those realizations that they begin to recognize, oh yeah, okay, this is, this is the pattern that I drop into when such and such stimuli or triggers occur. And so it's the combination of that sort of that aha light bulb moment coupled with the ways in which it is repeatedly showing up. And to be brutally honest, uh, for most people, when they see it enough times, they just get so fucking tired of it and they get so, um, (laughs) I mean, I guess productively disgusted with themselves. And what I mean by productively disgusted with themselves is that instead of it shutting them down, they get, they get kind of a, I don't know, like a healthy, healthy bit of anger going on at this conduct that they continue to indulge in or a mindset that they continue to indulge in. And then from that place of this kind of healthy, you know, I'm fed up and I'm not going to take this anymore, not even from myself, place or mindset, then they actually really do get serious about, you know, letting, letting go of past traumas, letting go of, again, those sort of counterproductive, counter-effective behavior patterns and, and belief structures. And they really dig in. Coupled with that, I think, is also this aspect of practicing the fundamentals. And I would say that most of the therapists and coaches that I know, they do offer tools. Mental models is uh, often what they're called. And in working through mental models, the practitioner isn't teaching that to the client just to waste time or to somehow communicate how much they know. It's genuinely so that the client will use the tool so that the client can do a fair amount of self-coaching, in my case, since I'm a coach, or self-therapy, I guess, if I was a therapist. And I don't know. I mean, maybe there are other coaches out there that they just want perpetual clients. I mean, that would make sense from a business perspective because it's a lot easier to keep a client than it is to gain new ones. But at least at the present time, my belief, and that belief is informed by my experiences as a client, I'm not looking to be somebody's coach indefinitely. I want to empower them 
to be able to stand on their own two feet? And is it going to be exactly the same as if you have somebody helping you out and watching your swing and seeing things that you can't see? No, it's not. But I think you can get pretty damn far down the road on your own two feet. Once you've had a sufficient framework or infrastructure built. And so quite frequently when I see text messages come in or emails or, you know, DMs or phone calls or whatever, talking about how things have slid backwards. One of the first places that I am curious about is whether they're practicing the fundamentals. Are they maintaining good sleep hygiene, first and foremost? If they're not, why not? Is it simply bad habits? Staying up too late, watching TV, Netflix, uh, YouTube videos, whatever. Whatever the, the, you know, the company of choice is whenever you are listening to this. Social media. Is it they are... Working too late. I mean, in all honesty, that's what most of my clients do. They work, 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 work right up until it's about time to go to bed. And then they usually just kind of collapse into bed. And then they're comatose for, I don't know, four to six hours. And then they get up and, you know, lather, rinse, repeat. It's not a very good habit to be getting good sleep. Because one, your central nervous system is all kinds of activated and then there's no separation. And oftentimes they end up doing work emails in bed, which then creates a place association, work stress in the bedroom, you know, and that has a negative connotation for other things that you might want to do in the bedroom. You know what I mean? So whether it's sleep, having sex, you know, that, that should really be it for the bedroom. Now, if they are not being, if they're not engaging in bad habits, or sleep hygiene, but their sleep hygiene is still poor or their sleep quality is poor. I should say. Hmm. Okay. Well, then we might explore environmental factors. What's the temperature of the room at night? Uh, are they actually blacking out the room completely? Any aberrant noises? They're going to draw them out of deep stages of sleep, REM sleep, things like that. And then assuming all the environmentals are taken care of and the behavioral stuff is taken care of, well, then at that point, okay, yeah, let's, let's check out what, what is actually happening here. Is there something physiological going on perhaps? So for instance, for many of my combat veteran folks, they have a lot of injuries. As you might imagine, combat can be rather rough on the human body. And the same is true for me. You know, I tend to roll around a lot because I've got a lot of orthopedic problems from my time getting beat up in the military. And so do they. And so if you also have orthopedic issues, then yeah, maybe you need to figure out some additional pillows or a more comfortable sleeping situation. I mean, hell, some people sleep better on their couch than they do in their bed, which then in turn can lead to, if they have a partner, can lead to some, uh, I guess, awkward conversations with their partner around, well, you know, why don't you want to sleep with me anymore? meaning like uh, not sex, but just, you know, slumbering. And then, you know, that's a whole thing that we get to work through as far as m making sure that both parties understand that it's not an insult, but that it's really about getting better quality sleep. 
And quite frequently, the partner is actually on board with it because my client tends to be uh, grumpy, I guess would be one way of saying it. So oftentimes the partner is, is rather supportive of that individual getting better quality sleep. Now, additionally, if, if you manage to get, you know, sort of the sleep piece dialed in, and I would say when it comes to performance, sleep is by far the most important factor. So if that's hosed up, you should not pass go. You should just start focusing on trying to figure out exactly what is going on there and solve whatever those issues are. Now, let's say that that's already been taken care of. Getting back to the fundamentals then also includes meditation. I would say the second most effective tool that I have come across after maintaining your sleep quality is meditation or mindfulness or however you want to express a meditative habit or a contemplative habit. Now, I think that formal meditation does offer some benefits that don't come with um, sort of, quote unquote, merely a journaling habit. And there is a book called Altered Traits, which I have mentioned in past episodes. And if you're curious about it, it basically goes through all the sciencey explanations about what is happening inside the human brain during meditation. So go ahead and pick that up and, and peruse that book if you're curious about that. But additionally, going back to those mental models that I was talking about, and I think this is probably, I don't know, maybe the third pillar in this, is where is it that you're actually practicing? And I mean that in two different senses. One as in getting reps, repetitions, and two, how are you making it an active part of your life? But where are you practicing those mental models? I assume that your coach or therapist taught you those things for a reason. Now, maybe it's a standard part of their protocol, or maybe kind of more as I do, they have a more bespoke approach, and the tools and advice and resources that they recommend are actually custom-tailored for each individual. But in either case, I'm assuming that they saw something, and they said, hmm, I think this person would benefit from this model. And if you're not using the model to help assess and process what is going on for you, the stressors that you have in your life, the interpretations that you make about the things that occur to you, where it is that you find yourself getting pissed off, triggered, activated, etc., etc. If you're not actually using those tools, why not? Because it's ultimately your responsibility. I mean, it's your life. I often have clients, uh, at least once in the engagement, get to a, a, a bit of a crossroads with me. And sometimes it's a bit contentious, and sometimes it's not as contentious. But there's almost the sense of, you know, hey, what are the answers, bro? And it to me, there's this, as I said, this this 
<laughs> this catalytic moment where it's like, well, I, I have my own coach that I go to for my work. This is your coaching for your life. I can help you see things about your life, patterns that you're not recognizing. I can ask you questions that you wouldn't think to ask yourself and that your friends wouldn't and family wouldn't because like it or not, friends and family also have a, um, an emotional investment in that relationship. There's a history there that's very personal. And that's one of the benefits of working with a therapist or a coach or some other sort of practitioner in that they ostensibly don't have a vested interest in the sort of inner workings of your personal life because they're not part of it. But, you know, having said that, right, it's, it's like, well, this is your life. What do you want to, what do you want to make of it? Well, I don't know. Like, well, I thought you were the coach and you're, I thought you were supposed to tell me what to do. And it's like, no, I'm absolutely not supposed to tell you what to do. I'm supposed to help you figure out what it is that you want. And then to help you assess whether you're getting any closer to it. And so these mental models that you end up being taught are there so that you can lean on those resources indefinitely. And if you come back and you say, well, it's not effective for me. Okay, why? Well, I've been trying it. So we already ruled out the person's actually trying it. And then it leads to the next question, which, okay, well, if you're trying it and it's not working, why not? Do you not understand the mental model? If not, and I can totally accept and and see how, at least in my coaching with folks, I I am not a perfect deliverer of knowledge or tool sets. I do my absolute best, but I'm not perfect at it. And so this is where you have to go back to your coach or therapist and say, it's not resonating. Or I don't know how to use it really. It made sense when we went through together, but when I tried to do it on my own, it doesn't work. To get clarity around how to engage that tool in a useful way. So I want to cut it off here because I did promise myself that smoothie, but kidding, just extra work. So, you know, good for me. But this, this aspect of practicing the fundamentals so frequently when people talk to me about how there's a backslide happening and how they're worried that every, all the work that they put in is going to go away very frequently when we dig underneath the layers, we discover that the person is not actually practicing those fundamentals, those very three foundational pieces. Sleep, some sort of meditation, and practicing the mental models that they were taught. So what I wholeheartedly encourage you to do is to go back to what you learned and really put it into practice. I know you got it in you. All right, I'm out. If you're enjoying what you got here, like, subscribe, share, follow, you know, that whole thing. Or don't, totally up to you. But until next time, take care of each other.